Welcome to the Wet Podcast, episode number 26. Today is March 27th, 2015. We have another solo cast. I'm going to be reading today from my memoir, another section. Uh, this is the section on doing drug studies for money, uh, which I did in graduate school. I think you'll find it entertaining. It's a pretty good, uh, it's a pretty good section of the memoir. Uh, I am Eric Marshall, and this is the Wet Podcast, Writing, Education, and Technology. As you know, I... Uh, there's usually a new episode every Friday. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I'm by myself. Today I'm by myself. You can find the show notes, such that they will be, uh, for this at ericmarshall.net slash wet. That's Eric with a K, Marshall with two L's, dot net slash wet. And you can find me on Twitter at emarsh. This podcast is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and anywhere else that you might find podcasts. I hope you enjoy this section of my memoir today, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Drug Studies When I was not making much money as a graduate teaching assistant, I ran across an ad for some drug studies at Wayne State. Uh, One thing I did have was time, and I'd do anything for science. I actually knew someone who was involved in the program. Okay, I had a crush on her. So I figured, why not? All in all, I did three different studies. The first was... Pretty boring and unmemorable, but had the same basic structure as all the rest. Coming in in the morning, take a pill, do some tasks or go through some tests, get paid. Uh, I read all of Infinite Jest during these studies. I was often alone in the lab room, which consisted of two couches, a TV with a VCR, a putt-putt golf thing, and a refrigerator and a freezer. The room was monitored by video from a room next door. Uh, I never felt like watching TV, and watching a movie was cumbersome because of the many interruptions. The study that blew my mind the most was designed to test why people begin taking drugs. I didn't know this at the time. All I knew at the time was that they were going to pay me a decent amount of money to come in, take a pill, and read for 18 different sessions. No problem. Here's how it worked. On day one, they give you, say, a red pill. On day two, a green pill. On day three, red again. And on day four, green again. And then for the next five sessions, you get to choose which one you want, red or green. The drugs could have been almost anything. They give you a long list of possibilities, including placebo. Uh, I had long long since given up trying to figure out what they might be testing, so I just took whichever pill felt the most good or the least bad. Uh, I had guessed that one was a mild stimulant and the other was a depressant or nothing, so I chose the stimulant each time. Uh, Once these nine days were over, you basically started over. The first four days were the same as before, but with different colors. Difference, the difference was that on these days, you had to do a computer test that lasted maybe 20 minutes. You had to keep two lines together with one hand and keep a dot inside a circle with the other using a keyboard. It was kind of complicated, but um, at the end, a dollar amount between like five cents and five dollars flashed, which they gave you at the end of the day. You know, Money is a good incentive for people taking drugs for money. At the end of these four days, you choose which drug you want for the next five. Easy. So basically A, B, A, B, and then you choose for five, and then C, D, C, D, and you choose for five, and that's 18 days. What I found later 
<laughs> mess with my mind for years to come. Uh, I kept hanging around the lab because I was involved in a new uh, MDMA study. At some point during this, I asked the young woman running the studies what that other one, the one with the blue and green, was all about. Uh, she brought me into a conference room and explained to me that there's only one drug in that study, plus placebo. During the first segment, the drug was a low dose of Valium, low enough that most people would not choose to self-administer it because it would cause queasiness. The other was placebo. While I thought I had been choosing a stimulant, I was choosing placebo and avoiding the Valium. Apparently, every other one of the, I think it was five subjects, except for one, did the same thing. That was interesting, but nothing compared to what she told me next. The second half of the study was exactly the same, Valium and placebo, but the computer task was, a, task was a sham. They awarded more money on the days that you took the drug that you hadn't chosen previously. So for five of us, that was Valium, and for the other guy, it was placebo. And less money on the other days. Every single subject, including me, chose Valium every day for the next five days. I had no idea that the dollar amount was tied to the drug. But I must have concluded that the drug made me better at the task, or maybe I, I just associated, associated the good feeling of getting money with that color pill. Either way, my behavior changed without my knowledge. It freaked me out. For months, years even, I questioned every action I took, every decision I made. Why did I choose that route to work? Why did I go to that cafe? Why was I dating that woman? There was literally no way to know what hidden connections my brain had made to make me choose the way I did. I thought I was a rational person making informed decisions, and now I was, I was doubting my own free will. The MDMA study was more harrowing. While it did not initially make me doubt every decision I ever made, it had lasting effects. Uh, the test, so far as I could figure out, was simple. Same thing, list of drugs, take a pill, sit in a room. Uh, in this study, they wanted people with previous experience with ecstasy, so it's reasonable to assume that they gave you MDMA, which is what ecstasy is supposed to be. Uh, it was awful in some ways. Uh, when you take ecstasy, you want lots of sensory stimulation as well as social interaction. Uh, the drug makes everything feel good and increases feelings of connections with others. Occasionally, there would be other subjects in the room with me, but over the course of all the studies I did, I was only in the room with someone else maybe four or five times. One time was a young woman who was doing the MDMA study while I was doing the other study that I just mentioned. She was rolling on ecstasy and very talkative. I was, of course, sympathetic, but not in the same space as her, which I imagine the time at the time was a bummer for her. Uh, maybe I was on Valium that day. Uh, same thing happened to me. One time I was clearly on MDMA, craving company, and someone who was doing a sleep study was stationed with me for part of the morning. I asked him a million questions, talked forever, and resisted the urge to ask him for a back rub or to cuddle on the couch. Uh, as much as I wanted that, I was also painfully aware of how inappropriate such requests would be. Uh, looking back, I wonder if having someone else in the room for one of those days was part of the study. Probably not, but you never know. Uh, one day I took the pill in the morning and immediately fell asleep, as I sometimes did, uh, it being early in the morning and all. I woke up 45 minutes later in a complete rush. The drug had kicked in while I was asleep, and I was a raging mess. I went to the window that overlooked the alley and pressed my face against it, trying to look at the park down the way and feeling the cold glass against my face. I ran my hands up and down the fake putting course. I went to the freezer and got ice out just so I could hold it and feel it. 
I turned on the small TV and searched for music. The to this day I associate that Fat Boy Slim song, you know, you know the one, the check it out, no, whatever, uh, with that experience. I rubbed my own shoulders and kneaded my skin. I paced and paced. Uh, once an hour, an assistant would come to take my blood pressure. Uh, in this case, actually, it was the same woman who had done the MDMA study before that I was in the room with. She got a job there after the study. At least that's what they told me. It was pretty routine, and I was happy to have company for a few minutes. And I knew she understood what I was going through. This time, she took my pressure and told me she was going to have someone else come talk to me. She seemed upbeat, but she was clearly worried. After a few minutes, she came back with a woman in a lab coat. This new woman took my blood pressure and also looked concerned. In my heightened state of emotional receptivity, I could read them pretty well. They were also aware of my mental state and were walking on eggshells to keep me calm. Something was wrong. How do you feel, she asked. I feel fine. Quite good, actually. Any headaches or anything like that? Nope. I am thirsty, though. She gave me that concerned look again. It's probably better if you don't drink too much, she said. We don't want to add to your pressure. But I'm thirsty. What if I get dehydrated? My biggest fear with ecstasy was dehydration, and I usually overcompensated by drinking huge quantities of water. Well, try to keep it to a minimum. We're going to be checking your blood pressure every half hour now. If you feel at all uncomfortable, just tell us. Okay, I said, and they both left. Later, when the original technician was back, I asked her what the problem was. She said it was routine, and she had to get someone when readings were at a certain level. Nothing to worry about. Uh, I kept in touch with her after that, and months later, after I was long done with all these studies, I was at her place for a party. We were chatting, and she brought that day up, and she said, Oh my God, we were so worried about you. Your blood pressure was like 220 over 140. We were scared you were going to have an aneurysm. We had never seen blood pressure that high. Holy crap. I knew something was wrong, but I had felt fine. I never thought it was that serious. After she told me that, I thought twice before taking that drug again. Uh, as far as drug studies go, they're an easy way to make money. Uh, I would be careful, though, about which study you do. After the MDMA study, I felt so strung out. I didn't want to do them anymore. I didn't want to do the drug studies anymore. I think they were testing other drugs as well, and some days I couldn't eat all day or I'd be tweaked out all day and not able to sleep. Uh, pretty nasty business. The other studies were pretty harmless, though. I don't know if I'd recommend them for the truly paranoid, though. I think some people are prone to trying to figure out what they're trying to study or what drugs they're getting. <clears throat> Down that path lay madness. Uh, the <laughs> Sorry, that's a funny sentence. Uh, studies like these are designed to be double-blind, and they're meant to trick you. The likelihood of guessing precisely what they're doing is pretty low, I think, and you're probably better off just going with the flow. I was able to shut down all curiosity and let it happen without trying too hard to figure out the conspiracy behind the drugs, the tests, the surveys, the other people in the room, or anything else. Science. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this little section from my mem my forthcoming memoir. Uh, you can reach me on Twitter at eMarsh. You can find this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher. I really do appreciate uh, ratings. If you could go over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts and just uh, click the buttons, give me a rating, I would really appreciate that. And if you're feeling a little more generous than that even, you can go to Patreon and become a patron of this podcast. You can pledge as little as a dollar an episode. 
Uh, you could probably do fifty cents an episode, I imagine. But go to Patreon. That's P A T R E O N. dot com slash emarsh, or you can find it on uh, at ericmarshall. dot net slash Patreon. I really do appreciate any support you can give me in this podcast, and we will see you next week. Thanks. Bye.